0: Welcome to another episode of our digitally remastered old-time
1: radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Visit our website for complete collections of your favorite old-time radio series. Remember to follow us so
2: you won't miss new releases from SolvedMystery.com. This episode from the life of Sherlock Holmes will be transmitted to our men and women overseas by shortwave and through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Petri Wine brings you... Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce in the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petrie family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invite you to listen to Doctson tell us another exciting adventure he shared with his old friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. And if you don't mind, I'd like to suggest something that you might share with your friends. And that something is a glass of sherry before dinner. Naturally, a glass of Petri California sherry. I say Petri sherry because it's the perfect before-dinner wine. You couldn't think of a better way to begin a meal. That Petri sherry has a beautiful, inviting color, like like dark amber. And for flavor, well, you've heard sherry described many times as having a rich, nut-like flavor. But if you want to learn for the first time what those words rich and nut-like really mean, You just taste Petri Sherry. It's wonderful. Serve Petri Sherry by itself or serve it with hors d'oeuvres or or those little cocktail sandwiches. And incidentally, if you prefer your Sherry dry, you know, not sweet, just ask your wine merchant for Petri Pale Dry Sherry. Well, the important thing to remember is if you want Sherry, you want Petri Sherry because that means good Sherry. Now let's look in on our genial friend and good host, Dr. Watson. Good evening, Doctor. Good evening, Mr. Bartell. Punctual to the minute, as usual. (laughs) Never keep a doctor waiting, I always say. Particularly Dr. Watson.
0: (laughs) Draw up a chair, my boy. (laughs)
2: Thank you. That's it, that's it, that's it. All ready to tell us the Sherlock Holmes adventure of the speckled band, Doctor? Yes, I'm all ready, Mr. Bartell. Say, Doctor, just what does a speckled band mean? (laughs) You
0: wait until I've told you the story, young fellow, my lad. You'll find out for yourself. I'm <laughs> sorry. The floor is all yours, Doctor. The adventure of the speckled bairn began on a rainy April morning in 1883. An urgent call from one of my patients had kept me up most of the night before, and in consequence I came down to my breakfast rather later than usual to find that Holmes had already left our house some hours earlier. As I sat there reading the morning paper and consuming my two lightly boiled eggs, there was a knock at the door. It opened to disclose a typical example of the British working man. A bag of tools in one hand and a grimy cap in the other, as he spoke to me from the doorway.
1: You sent for me, Mr. Holmes? I'm not, Mr. Holmes. Oh, beg your pardon, Governor, but I've come to him in the guest bracket over the mantelpiece. Oh? Oh, What's wrong with it? I've got a leak in it. Oh, leak? Well, 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 what's wrong with your work? Yes, sir. hope I won't be disturbing you, sir. No, 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 that's
0: all right, my man. Don't mind me. Don't mind me. Oh,
1: dear. Very untidy man, Mr. Holmes, sir. What do you mean by that? Well, you can't help noticing the mess this room's in, heard, Say, so he was as tidy as any when he started, but he learned bad habits from a bloke what lived with him. Er, uh, Dr. Watson, I think his name is. Are you
0: impertinent fellow. How dare you talk to me like that? I've got a good. No- oh, where does he go to? Here, you come out of there. That's Mr. Holmes's
1: room. Don't be angry with him, Watson. What? Slipping out these grimy rags into a dressing gown. Oh, good gracious me. So was you, Holmes. Well, upon my soul, I'd never recognised you, but <laughs> why the disguise? A case, my dear Watson, a case. One of those small problems which a trusting public occasionally confides to my investigation. Uh-huh. To the British workman, old chap, all doors are open. His costume is unostentatious and his habits are sociable. Tool bag is an excellent passport and a tawny moustache will secure the uh, <laughs> cooperation of maids. But what's the case, Holmes? Huh? A modest little drama of life in the kitchen, one of those seemingly inconsequential affairs, and yet Watson... The honor of a duchess is at stake. Duchess? A no. mad world, my master, is a mad world. Ah, now I feel a little more comfortable. Let's return to the sitting room, shall we? A strong cup of tea would be most acceptable. I oh, wish you'd tell me about the duchess and life in the kitchen home. Some other time, old fellow, some other time. At the moment, suppose you tell me what you know about Miss Helen Stoner... I received a letter from her this morning in which she informed me that she would be calling here at 11 and also that she was a friend of yours. Oh, Helen Stoner? Oh, yes, yes. Sir. A charming
0: girl indeed.
1: Pour me a cup of tea, Watson, and tell me about her.
0: Well, I befriended her at the time of the tragic death of her sister two years ago. I told you about the case, don't you remember? <laughs> the sudden death of Violet Stoner at an old house in Stoke Moran? Oh,
1: yes, yes, yes. It all comes back to me now. There was a. There was an inquest, wasn't there, with a string of stupid, ineffective witnesses. Ineffective. I was one of them. Oh, I'm sorry, old fellow. Oh, then you were the exception, of course. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me see. I docketed the evidence on the case. Where is it? Oh, my scrapbook. Ah, here we are, here we are. Let me see. Yes, S. S. Salisbury Hatchet Murder, Lordson Simon. Here we are, here we are. Stoke Moran. Yes, I remember the affair well, now. The villain of the piece was Dr. Grimsby Roylett, wasn't he? Yes, a
0: dreadful fellow. He's the stepfather of the two girls. Violet, the one that died so mysteriously. Helen,
1: the one who's coming here to see you. Dr. Roylett has a pretty record. Fifty-five years of age, killed his kit Maga in India. Once in an insane asylum, married money, wife died. Distinguished surgeon. Well, Watson, hmm. I wonder what the distinguished surgeon has been up to now. You know, some deviltry affair. I fear. Why do you say that? You remember that
0: Miss Violet Stoner's death followed close upon the announcement of her engagement? Yes. Well, I met Miss Helen Stoner on the streets a few weeks ago. She told me that she'd just become engaged to a young fellow in the army who was leaving for the Far East. She was very upset at the thought of being alone with her stepfather at, uh, at Stoke Moran. Oh, naturally it was.
1: Hmm, Dr. Roylott stands to lose a considerable sum of money in the event of his stepdaughter's marriage.
0: Yes, they both had a trust fund which he administered only as long as the girls were unmarried. That fact was brought out at the coroner's inquest two years ago. But if Roylott did poison the other stepdaughter, and I'm pretty convinced that he did, it seems unlikely that he'd try it again. Two sudden deaths in the same household could hardly pass the
1: coroner. Oh, no, my dear Watson... You're making the mistake of putting your normal brain into Royliott's abnormal being. Oh, that that must be Miss Stoner now. Yes, let me see. It's precisely 11 o'clock. Well, let's see what we can do for her.
0: Well, I hope you can help her, Holmes. She's an
1: extremely nice girl. Come in. Yes, Mrs. Hudson?
3: There's a Miss Helen Stoner to see you, sir. She says she has an appointment.
1: Show her in, please, Mrs. Hudson.
3: Aye, sir. Come in, my dear. Thank you.
1: Uh, Miss Stoner, I'm... I'm so glad to see you
3: again. How do you do, Dr. Watson? And this must be your friend.
1: Yes, Miss Stoner, I'm Sherlock Holmes. Sit down by the fire, won't yes, you? Yes, sir,
0: please do, Madam. Hello, you're, you're
1: trembling with cold.
3: It's not cold that makes me shiver. Tell me, Mr. Holmes, has my stepfather, Dr. Grimsby-Roylet, been here? No, he hasn't. He saw me in the street. I dashed by him in a hansom cab, but he saw me. Our eyes met and he waved me to stop, but I came here as fast as I could. A
1: very sensible move. Uh, Dr. Watson has already given me several hints to your present problem. As well as having refreshed my memories to the circumstances of your sister's death,
3: my problem is a simple enough one, Mr. Holmes. I'm, I'm waiting to be murdered. No, no, no. My uh, dear please Carol. be a trifle more explicit, Miss Stoner. Very well, Mr. Holmes. My fiancé is leaving for the Far East today. When he leaves, I shall be alone with my stepfather at Stoke Moran. He plans to murder me just as he murdered my sister.
1: What makes you say that, Miss Stoner?
3: Many strange things have happened recently. For instance. He's just moved me into the bedroom in which my sister died. What
0: reason did he give for changing your room?
3: That my old one needed repainting. It didn't need it. But Dr. Roylott did need to (coughs) put me into that horrible room. And other things have happened. I... I've heard the music again.
1: Music? What music?
3: My sister first heard it a few days before she died. I heard it myself on that dreadful night she breathed her last... Oh, Mr. Holmes, I'm terrified. Don't worry,
1: my dear. Please don't worry anymore. You have friends to help you now. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions?
3: No, of course not.
1: Now, this music, does it seem to come from inside the house or outside?
3: Well, it, it's hard to say. It, it sounds so faint. What's it like? A sort of soft droning sound. Like a
1: flute or a pipe?
3: Yes, it, mm-hmm. it reminds me of native music I heard during my childhood in India.
1: India, yeah.
3: There's one other thing that puzzles me, Mr. Holmes. Now, what's that? My sister's dying words. As she lay in my arms, she gasped out two words. Now, what were they? Band and speckled. You remember that evidence from the inquest don't you dr watson
1: yes 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 i do i couldn't make head a tail of it so. uh, band speckled indian music miss stoner do you sleep with your door and windows fastened
3: yes mr holmes but so did poor violet it didn't save her though
1: what did you gather from your sister's dying allusion to the band the speckled band
3: well sometimes i thought it was merely the wild talk of delirium and sometimes that it referred to a band of people oh yes I remember that there were some gypsies encamped quite near us at the time of Violet's death. Gypsies, eh? Yes, and it occurred to me that the spotted gaily-coloured kerchiefs, which so many of them wear over their heads, might have suggested the unusual adjective which my sister used. Miss
0: Turner, how long is it since you heard this strange music that you've
1: told us about?
3: I heard it last night. Your
1: fiancée leaves today, say? Yes, Mr. Holmes. Well, Miss Turner, I shall do everything I can to help you. If we were to come to Stoke Moran today, would it be possible to see over your rooms without the knowledge of your stepfather?
3: I, I think so. He told me this morning that he intended to take a late train home tonight.
1: Ah, that's splendid. Watson, up at the timetable, old fellow, and look up the trains to Stoke Moran. Right, you are home. That's my stepfather.
3: I know it is. Oh, yes. Yes, there he is on the doorstep. Oh, Mr. Holmes, he's followed me. Oh, what shall I do if he finds me here? Don't if worry, it... Miss
1: Turner. Please don't worry. There's a private exit through that room there. Watson the way, will you? Come
0: along with me, my dear young lady.
3: And and you will come down today, Mr. Holmes? Certainly, my
1: dear Miss Turner. I'll telegraph you the entire time of our arrival. <laughs> Goodbye and courage, my dear. <laughs>
3: Goodbye, Mr. Holmes, and thank Good. you. Come along, Miss Turner, quickly.
1: Come in. Yes, Mrs. Hudson? It's a,
3: a gentleman, sir. I told him you wouldn't see anyone without an appointment, but he... Out of the way, woman! you no, push me like that! I'm sorry, Mr. Holmes.
1: That's all right, Mrs. Hudson. You can leave us.
3: What kind of gentleman does he call himself pushing an old lady?
1: So you're Sherlock Holmes. You have the advantage of me, sir. Your name is... Uh... My name, sir, is Roylott. Dr. Grimsby Roylott of Stoke Moran. Oh, yes, yes, of course. A charming place out hear, and obviously good for the lungs. You won't trifle with me if you know what's good for you. Uh, uh oh, Watson, there you are. And how was the, uh, uh the experiment? Very
0: successful, Holmes. Good day to you, Doctor roilett I haven't seen you since I gave evidence at your stepdaughter's inquest.
1: Yes, yes, I remember you, Doctor Watson. Now listen to me, you two. My stepdaughter's been here. I've faced her. What's she been saying to you? It's a little cold for this time of the year, isn't it? You answer me! I hear that the crocuses promise well. Do you dare to try and put me off, do you? I know you, you scoundrel. You're Holmes the meddler. Am I? Holmes the busybody. I believe that a man should occupy his time. Holmes the Scotland Yard Jack in office. When you go out, close the door, won't you? There's a draft. I'll go when I've had my say. Keep your nose out of my affairs, you hear? Oh, yes. My hearing is excellent, thank you. And your diction and delivery most forceful. But time flies, my dear doctor. Time flies and has its duties as well as its pleasures. Goodbye. Insolent rascal. Here. See this poker? Oh, the fire doesn't need poking thank you doctor but i i should be obliged if you'd uh, put some more coal on for me Mm.
0: you laugh at me you don't know my strength look there your poker's bent double that's what i'll do to both of you if you don't keep out of my affairs
1: i had a presentment that he'd slam the door
0: phew he's an ugly customer literally as well as
1: figuratively Watson, I'd be much obliged if you'd get your revolver. It may prove to be an excellent argument with a gentleman who twists iron pokers into knots. The fellow's mm-hmm. amazingly strong. Just look at it. I don't want to appear flamboyant, but uh. uh, uh there we are. Great Scott Holmes, you straightened the poker out again. Yes, it was utterly useless in its former shape. And now, Watson, the timetable, yes. we'll catch the next fast train to Stoke Moran.
3: Holmes, Dr. Watson, I'm so relieved that you've come, but don't you think my stepfather might have followed you down here?
1: Let's take that chance, Miss Stoner. A few hours delay might mean the difference between your oh. life and death. It was imperative yeah. that we examine this bedroom of yours before Dr. Roylott returns. Anyway,
0: my dear, you mustn't worry anymore. We're here in your house and we're going to take good care of you, no matter what harm befalls you.
1: Oh, thank you, Dr. Watson. So this is the room in which your sister died, is it? Hmm, it's much as I pictured it.
0: Uh, And Dr. Roylis' room adjoins this one, you say, Miss Stoner?
3: Yes, Doctor, on that side. The room which adjoins it on the other side is my regular bedroom.
1: The one that's being so conveniently painted, eh? Yes. Well, let's examine this room. No trap doors or sliding panels, I suppose. Mm, It sounds solid enough, huh? Yes, I think it is. Hello, what's this? Are you aware that this bed is clamped to the floor, Miss Stoner?
3: Why, no, no, Mr. Holmes, I, I did that. What an
1: extraordinary thing. Was the bed in your other room anchored also?
3: I know, I don't think it was. Very
1: illuminating. And this bell pull hanging against the wall above your bed.
3: Oh, that, it doesn't work. It doesn't work but if you want to ring. There's another one on the other wall over there.
1: Now, why this one?
3: Well, I, I don't know. My stepfather made a number of changes after we came here.
1: Yes, quite a burst of activity, apparently. And it took some strange shapes. Why are you standing on the bed, Holmes? I'm curious, my dear fellow. Uh-huh. It may interest you to know that this bell rope is fastened to a brass hook. with no wire attachment. It's a dummy. A dummy? But why? There's a small screen above it. It's a ventilator, I suppose. Yes, Mr. Holmes. Yes. A ventilator leading into your stepfather's room. Curious. I notice there's no means of opening the ventilator on this side. It can only be operated from your stepfather's room next door. I wonder if you'd mind taking us in there.
3: Oh, of course, Mr. Holmes, follow me. What do you make of it, Holmes?
1: As devil's work a foot, old chap.
3: Here we are, Mr. Holmes. Mm, it's
1: much the same as the other room. A bit bigger, perhaps. That large safe against the wall seems to be an unusual piece of bedroom furniture. What is it, Miss Dollar?
3: Uh, my stepfather's business papers.
1: Oh, yes. You've seen inside it, then?
3: Only once, some years ago. I remember that it was full of documents. What's
1: this saucer of milk doing on top of it? Does Dr. Roller keep a cat?
3: No, but he does have a cheetah and a baboon as pets. He brought them with him from India. Well,
1: Holmes, a cheetah is just a big cat. Yeah, true, but I doubt if the... a ...saucer of milk would go very far in satisfying the appetite of a cheetah. Well, I think I've seen enough. This matter is too serious for hesitation. Your life may depend upon your following and my instructions, Miss Homer.
3: I'll do anything you say, Mr. Holmes. Anything.
1: Hmm. Is that village inn I see through the uh, trees from this window?
3: Yes, the Queen's Arms.
1: Uh, Your bedroom windows will be visible from there.
3: Yes, Mr. Holmes. Very well, then.
1: Watson and I will go there now and obtain accommodations. When your stepfather returns, you must confine yourself to your room on the pretense of a headache. You follow me? Perfectly. When Dr. Roylott returns for the night... You must open your bedroom window and put your lamp on the sill as a signal to us at the inn. Then withdraw quietly to your usual bedroom, the one that's being painted. I'm sure that you could manage that for one night.
3: Of course. But what will you do?
1: When we get your signal, Dr. Watson and I will come here and spend the night in your dead sister's room. We are going to solve this mystery of the dummy bell rope and the unusual ventilator and the strange music in the night.
2: Hear the remainder of Dr. Watson's story in just a second, so I'm just going to point out that at any really important dinner, you know, like when diplomats get together, you'll find wine on the table. Because for years it's been a known fact that good wine makes good food taste better. Prove that to yourself tomorrow night by having your dinner together with a glass of Petri wine. If you prefer a red wine for any meat or meat dish, try a Petri California Burgundy. That rich, hearty red Petri Burgundy is really out of this world. Now, if you'd rather have a subtle, intriguing white wine, let's say to go with chicken or fish, then try Petri California Sauterne. But Sauternes or Burgundy, to make sure it's good, make sure it's Petri, won't you? Well, Doctor, it's a rattling good story so far. What happened next? You went to the local inn, I guess, and waited for that lantern to appear in the bedroom window at Dr. Roylott's house?
0: That's right, Mr. Bartell. We had an early dinner at the Queen's Arms and then retired to our upstairs bedroom. And sat there side by side, puffing away at our pipes, our eyes straining through the darkness, that telltale lantern to give us the signal that there was dearest work ahead for us. As we sat there discussing the various aspects of the case, I remember that Holmes was very concerned about my own
1: safety. Watson, I. I really have some scruples about taking you with me tonight. This is an infernally dangerous business. Well, what about that poor girl, alone in the house, with that fiend roilet? I can handle the case by myself, old chap.
0: I'm coming with you, Holmes. You speak of danger. We haven't seen more in those rooms than was visible to no, me. No, but
1: uh, possibly I've deduced a little more. and I imagine you saw all that I did.
0: No, I saw nothing remarkable except the bell rope, and what purpose that could answer, I confess, is more than I can imagine. You saw the ventilator, too. Yes, I think it's such an unusual thing to have an opening between two rooms. It's so small that a mouse could hardly pass through
1: it. True, but at least you will admit there was a a curious sequence of coincidences. A ventilator is constructed, a bell cord is hung from it, a lady sleeps in a bed directly below the ventilator, a bed that is anchored to the floor. A lady dies. Well, I
0: begin to see what you're driving at, Holmes. Look, 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 look.
1: There's the lantern in Miss Toner's window. That's our signal, right? Come on, Watson. Our night's vigil begins. Ugh, what a foul night. Foul night for foul business, Watson. Come on through these laurel bushes. It's only another 50 yards to the house.
0: The lantern's still burning away in the bedroom
1: window. Yes, all the other lights are out. Including the one in Doctor Roylott's room. He must have gone to sleep. The dead, possibly, Watson, but not, I think, to sleep.
0: Great heavens, Holmes! Look at that frightful creature leaping about in the moonlight. It looks like some
1: hideous child. That's Doctor Roylott's pet baboon. But it looks positively human. Yes, probably a great deal more so than its master. Mm. Shh! They directly blow the window now. This ivy provides a most convenient ladder. I'll go up first. Be careful,
0: Holmes. Careful. Oh, wait a minute. I, uh, I, I hope the thing's uh, strong enough to, to hold us both. We look pretty stupid. on our backs. Uh, in the mud. Get, get a hand with you, Holmes. I can't quite get my leg up over this window ledge. Uh, thanks, old oh boy.
1: Oh, say, phew. Now to close the window shutters.
0: This room looks exactly like the same as it did this Shh.
1: afternoon these sound would be fatal to our plans keep the lamp covered so that if the ventilator is open from dr. roilett's room no light will show from in there that's it
0: why are you carrying that stick home
1: I'm prepared for a visitor that I expect before the night is over A visitor who herald his entrance with faint music from an Indian pipe
0: you mean the music is, is a signal
1: exactly old fellow the signal to an accomplice who can enter a room with locked doors. An accomplice who kills and leaves no trace. You mean that... Shh! No more talking, Watson. I'll sit on the edge of the bed here. You sit on that chair. Have your revolver ready in case you, you should need it. Right, you arm. Have the lantern ready, too. When I shout, now, turn the light full on the top of the bell rope. You understand? Yes, perfectly. Good. Now we must wait. Perhaps for some Time. Don't go to sleep, Watson. Don't go to sleep. Your very life may depend on it. music. Yes, heralding the messenger of death. Have your lantern ready, Watson.
0: Now, Watson, out! Great heavens, it's a snake slithering down the bell rope. You can't kill it without stick Holmes out of the way. Let me get a shot at it. I'm trying to drive it back the way it came. Get out! There it goes, back through the ventilator. What a fiendish
1: plan! Which cut? What's that? I think the devil has turned on its master. Come on, Watson, into Doctor Roylott's room. Doctor Roylott! Doctor Roylott! Doctor!
0: Doctor! Good Lord, Holmes! Look at him sprawled on the bed. Look at his eyes.
1: Yes, and see what is coiled round his forehead. It's the snake. Yes, the band, the speckled band. He's dead, Holmes. Yes. He's been bitten by the deadliest snake in the world, the Indian Swamp Adder. The produced death within ten seconds. Well, Watson, violence does in truth recoil upon the violent, and the schemer falls into the pit which he digs for another. What should we do now, Holmes? We must remove the macabre headgear from the dead doctor and return the snake to its den. Ah, then I suggest that we tell Miss Stoner that there's no more danger under this roof. After that, we can turn the matter over to the local police. Our work is done.
3: Oh, Mr. Holmes, Dr. Watson, I can't tell you how grateful I am that you brought me back into Baker Street. Jonah, it
1: would have been inhuman to leave you in that house of horror and death. We have a spare bedroom, and Mrs. Hudson is a motherly and understanding woman, and I can assure you that Dr. Watson and I will be delighted to have you stay with us here until you've decided on your future plans.
0: Yes, of course we will, my dear. As a matter of fact, it'd be rather refreshing to have a,
3: a touch of youth about the place. You're both so kind. <laughs> Mr. Holmes, I think it's wonderful how you foiled my stepfather's devilish plans.
1: Yes, wasn't it a remarkable example of logical deduction? No, it wasn't, old fellow. At first, um, your mention of the gypsies, Miss, and the use of the word ban put me on an entirely wrong scent. However... When we examined the fatal room, I drew the obvious conclusions. the dummy bell rope, the ventilator, and the immovable bed? Yes, old fellow. It instantly gave rise to the suspicion that the rope was there as a bridge for something coming through the ventilator and travelling to the bed. I once thought of a snake. When I saw the saucer of milk on top of the safe, my suspicions crystallized into certainties. Oh,
3: it was a fiendish plan. Yes, an extremely clever one, too. Exactly. My stepfather must have trained the snake but... to return to him when he played the music.
1: Yes, he put it through the ventilator, and with the certainty that it would crawl down the rope and land on the bed, it might or might not bite the occupant. Perhaps she might escape every night for a week, but sooner or later she must fall a victim.
3: Thank heaven I came to you, Mr. Holmes.
1: Amen to that, mister. You Mr. know, huh? Holmes, if you <coughs> hadn't lashed at the snake with your stick... I bet it wouldn't turn back on its master. True, old chap. In that way, I am no doubt indirectly responsible for Doctor Grimsby Rylott's death. <laughs> but I, I can't say it's a fact that's likely to weigh too heavily on my conscience.
2: Doctor, that was quite a fascinating story. You know something, I'm not exactly a coward, but no kidding, my toes really curl when I get mixed up with snakes. Oh, you're
0: not alone in that respect, Mister Bartell. I must admit that I like to have a revolver and at least twenty feet between me and any snake
2: that wants to cross my (laughs) path. Well, if you want a revolver in twenty feet, I'll take a cannon in twenty miles.
0: (laughs) It's fortunate that you're a wine expert, Mister Bartell, not a detective. I'm
2: afraid you wouldn't, uh, shall we say, find detecting to your liking. We certainly shall say it. Incidentally, I'm not a wine expert, Doctor. All I know about wine is that it either tastes good or it doesn't. And I also know that Petri wine always tastes good. The Petri family sees to that. The name Petri on the label is the personal assurance of the Petri family that every drop of wine in that bottle is good wine. And they know how to make it good because they've been making fine wine for generations. Handing down from father to son, from father to son, every secret, every skill of the winemaker's art. Yes, the Petri family took time to bring you good wine. That's why, no matter what type of wine you wish, you can't go wrong with a Petri wine. Well, Dr. Watson, what new Sherlock Holmes story are you planning to tell us next well, week?
0: Well, now, let me see. Now, Next week, Mr. Bartell, I'm, I think I'll tell you an adventure that took place at a gambling casino in the south of France. It's a strange story of sudden tragedy and death. I call it the Adventure of the Double Zero. Sounds swell. We'll all be listening. You know, Mr. Bartell, before I go, I want to say that every one of our friends bought war bonds to help our boys win the war. And now let's all buy victory bonds to help bring our boys back home again. Yes, and let's buy victory bonds to make sure that the men who were wounded will get the finest possible care. Those same victory bonds will make the GI Bill of Rights a success, too. And they'll help provide for the families of those men who gave everything, including their lives. The men of our armed forces finished their job. Now let's finish ours. By Victory Bonds.
2: Tonight's Sherlock Holmes adventure is written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher and is an adaptation of the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle story, The Adventure of the Speckled Band. Music is by Dean Fossler. Mr. Rathbone appears through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Mr. Bruce through the courtesy of Universal Pictures, where they are now starring in the Sherlock Holmes series. The Petri Wine Company of San Francisco, California, invites you to tune in again next week, same time, same station. This is Harry Bartell saying goodnight for the Petri family. Sherlock Holmes comes to you from our Hollywood studios...